Blog Talk Radio. Uh, a lot happens. 
And uh, I don't know whether there'll be too many surprises or not, though. It it appears that Oklahoma City and L.A. Lakers will be the toast of the West and probably the Celtics-Miami right now the toast of the East. But you never know. There's always surprise teams to sneak in there and cause havoc in the first or second round of the playoffs. It definitely is. And joining us on the line right now is CSN Northwest dot com NBA writer Chris B. Haynes. What's going on, guys? <laughs> well, Chris, it's a pleasure to have you join us. And uh, Jovan and I have been talking a lot about the NBA. I actually started today with some preseason games. But uh, uh, it, it, first of all, I want to ask you, uh, and Chris, of course, is the great beat writer for uh, com covers the NBA and the Blazers, goes to every home and road game with the team, uh, just does a fantastic job on that. Not only that, but he breaks a lot of stories. But, Chris, what's going to be the difference this year with a full schedule, practice time, training camp, as compared to last year with a 66-game schedule, in your opinion? Well, I think it's going uh, to allow the it's going to allow the fans and the spectators and viewers to be able to see who the real teams actually are, and uh, that's not to say that we didn't get to see the real teams, uh, you know, the real dynamite teams play in the finals because that's what we did see. We seen the Oklahoma and Miami Heat showdown, but I think when you have a condensed season, a lot of things happen where injuries occur. Um, there's a lot of fatigue to occur. So, you know, there was a lot of teams um, that really shouldn't have been in the hunt took advantage of those type of type of circumstances. So I think in the long run, in a regular 82-game season where a team has the proper rest, there's no there's no back-to-back-to-backs anymore. Um, I think you're, that allows the team to have their preparation and uh, the teams are able to gel. And uh, I think you'll get a you'll really get to see uh, truly um, who are the contenders opposed to who are the pretenders. And, um, you know, last year just wasn't a pure, a pure indication of uh, the NBA teams uh, just as a whole. Chris, do you see um, a lot of uh, movement in the first month because they've had more time to look at players and coaches? If teams get off to a bad start, do you see more movement of players? Do you think uh, – I know that's always hard in the NBA. Do you see coaches getting axed more than happened last year with a longer season? Uh, it's hard to see right now. Um, off the top of my head, I can't think of any movements that I've been hearing about that could possibly occur, you know, in the, in the first month of the season. But uh, I think that, um, you know, I'm I'm a true – believer in the first 25, 30 games of the season. Uh, I think um, however a team performs in that first 25, 30 games, I think that's a true indicator of what that team is going to be like the duration of the season. So um, I I like to wait until the first 30 games. So that will dictate as well if there's going to be any moves made. Then, you know, that dictate if there's going to be any – you know, in the agents calling writers saying, get my guy out of here or my guy is unhappy, uh, you know, things of that nature. So uh, I, I, I will be, I think I'll be able to assess the, assess the landscape of the NBA as far as movement after probably 25 or 30 games. 
that's an interesting and good ob- observation. I know Jovan has a few questions for you, so fire away, Jovan. All right, Chris. I know the last time we talked when you was on the show, the Blazers, head coach situation, we all thought it was going to be Caleb Canales. But that changed, and it's Terry Stotts now as that has the head coach. How was the fan base taken to Coach Stotts? I think um, initially when it happened, it, it threw everybody pretty much off guard because, uh, you know, including myself, I I penciled in Caleb Canales as the team's next head coach. But uh, I think over time, I think everybody has warmed to Coach Stotts. I think uh, the fact that he has this offensive philosophy and he's just so well regarded in that area, and that is something that um, Portland fans have been lacking um, seeing here and you know, being a Blazer fan here, the lack of um, offensive movement, the lack of, uh, you know, just off- offensive mindset. So I think Terry Stotts brings that. He always talks about that. He thrives in that. He loves that um, side of the um, court. And so um, I think um, the fans are warm to him. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see uh, if this team can um, take on coaches, Coach Stotts' offensive mindset and put it out there for display on the court. Um, not to say, now going back to Caleb Canales, um, I think there's a couple situations that happen. I think, uh, number one, I think Caleb Canales wasn't ready for the job, to tell you the truth. Uh, he didn't handle the media well. He wasn't very responsive when, you know, when asked certain questions. It was pretty cut and dry. You knew you knew what he was going to say. He was pretty predictable, so I don't think he was ready. But at the same time, I think it's a – a certain scenario that can happen where if Coach Stotts is not um, is not you know is not fitting the bill, if he's not doing his job, then I think it'll be an easy transition for Caleb Canales to step in as the head coach. I think they wanted to give him a little bit more time and a little bit more season under an experienced um, coach like Coach Stotts. So I think it's still a um, scenario that can play out where Caleb will be the next head coach. How soon? Uh, I don't know, but I think it's I think it's a, a short shot. He'll be he'll probably be the Blazers' next head coach at some point. This is the East West Hoop Swoop with me and Greg Crawford and a special guest, NBA writer for CS and Northwest dot com, Chris B. Haynes. Talking about, let's talk about the team now. Retrospective, leaving talking not talking about the coaches right now. Let's talk about the team. Talk about Joel Freeman, free not Freeman Freeland, and what can he contribute to the Blazers this upcoming season? Well, I like him. Um, you know, as media folk, we don't get a lot of time to to watch practice and, and see what they're actually doing in there. But from all accounts, from things that I'm hearing. I'm hearing that he's just a well-polished big man. And I've known that already because he was regarded as one of the best big men over there in Europe. So you knew his uh, offensive game would translate. Now, how much will it translate over to the NBA? You know, that has yet to be seen. I don't know if he'll be able to dominate like he did, um, you know, over there in Europe. But he does have an offensive skill set. He's uh, He considers himself a stretch four, somebody who can go out and, and knock down the perimeter jumper on a consistent basis. So um, I, I'm, I'm, I like him. I don't I don't know if he's going to be the starting center right now, but I like him. I think he'll be a an immediate impact player for this team, and I think um, on the long run he'll be a, a very decent player in the NBA. Uh, you know, it's just going to be 
interesting to see if he can play alongside LaMarcus Aldridge because LaMarcus, as you know, is a stretch four himself. So can two stretch fours play together, or you know, if they're if they gotta have one or the other, you know, it's gonna be LaMarcus playing that stretch four, and can Joel just stay down on the block and do the you know the conventional center big man work? And if, if he's able to do that, and if he's willing to do that, I think he can have a, a pretty he can have some pretty good success playing alongside Marcus Aldridge. So uh, I'm high on the I'm high on the kid. I can't wait to see him play. The first preseason game is coming up this week and Wednesday against the Los Angeles Lakers. So I'll be headed there. But uh, you know I, I can't wait to see him along with some other guys on this team to see if they really got um, see if they really got some game. We're speaking with Chris B. Haynes, who covers the NBA and the Portland Trailblazers for. CSNNW.com. That's the website of Comcast Sportsnet in Portland, Oregon. Uh, Chris, this is going to be kind of an exciting season for me with the Blazers because I got to see Damian Lillard so much in college. I cover college basketball for CSNNW.com, and especially I'm real attentive to the big sky because Portland State is in the big sky and saw Lillard all the time he was there, but you and Dwight James, our columnist at CSNNW.com, just did a special with him yesterday that ran all weekend on our network. But what's your take on him so far? Uh, and he's got a lot of pressure on him, and, and I just hope people aren't anticipating too much. Yeah. Uh, you know, before I answer that, I just want to give you props because you were the first one who I've ever heard say the Blazers were going to pick Damian Lillard at the number six pick, so you called that from the get-go. And um, I mean, when you brought him up, that's when I really started to pay attention to him. So just want to give you credit on that, Mr. Crawford. But um, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on the kid. Um, I think uh, the fan base is putting a lot of pressure on him. The organization is the GM. You know, he basically called him the franchise point guard. And uh, media, including myself, and uh, put are putting a lot of pressure on the kid. And, but I, I really think he can handle it. I really think, personally, man, I, I really think this kid is going to be one of the top point guards in this league over the next ten years. He has that. He, he just has that swagger. He has that demeanor about himself. He he just confident. Uh, you know, borderline cocky, but it, it's in the right place. You know, he he it's all in great spirit. And um, he just has that chip on his shoulder, man. He, you know, somebody that wasn't highly recruited out of high school and somebody who was at Weber State. And, and, and another story about Damian Lillard that a lot of people don't know about, he had opportunities to transfer to bigger schools once he got um, all that recognition at Weber State. But he chose. He's a humble guy. He stuck with the program who believed in him from the beginning. And he stuck it out and had a, a marvelous college career. And so I think that just shows a lot about his character and his loyalty. And I just think the kid has a chance, barring any injury, the kid has a chance to just have an awesome NBA career. And I think he's going to live up to every expectation put out there on him. Chris, thanks for the nice compliment. And I did have Lillard spotted for quite some time now, but now he's got to prove himself in the league. You know, speaking about the media and the pressure, um, I've spent a lot of time in uh, in Philadelphia, actually Jovan's hometown, and and also Washington, and I've been in Chicago, and a lot of time in Houston. Uh, but I, I think there's pressure on the media uh, that covers the Portland Trail Blazers in Portland for 
we got people listening around the world tonight, and uh, I have a lot of respect for you and all the writers that cover the Blazers because uh, you got a little bit of an eccentric owner. You've got a demanding general manager that likes control, and it's the only team in town. So, to me, you have pressure on your job, and you do it, you do it very well. Well, yeah, I, I wouldn't. Uh, you know, I wouldn't call it the, the New York type pressure. <laughs> you know, it's um, but I, I I do think it it is something special. It's pressure, but at the same time, it's special and it's unique, and it's fun at the same time. You you have such a uh, uh, you know, a tremendous fan base here with the Blazer fans who love their Blazer basketball. It's like no other. I'm from California, born and raised, and, um, you know, we, we don't love our teams like that. You know, even Laker fans, we don't love our teams like that. There's other things to do in California. You know, there's beaches. You know, there's Hollywood. There's, you know, whatever. You think of it, we got it, hunting, nature, whatever. Here in Portland, man, you know, Blazer fans, they they're they're really real educated on you know on their teams, on their players. They know salary cap structure. They know um, the contract situations of all their players. It's real. They're really in depth. And so, as a media member here, you have to bring your game up that much higher because the fans expect so much because they're so much educated. And so, I would say yes. There's more pressure to really be involved more so than you would. Um, if you were covering another team that doesn't have such a passionate fan base. So, you know, yes, there's a lot of pressure, but it's fun. Um, this is a job that I've always, you know, wanted to do. And, uh, you know, I'm blessed to be in a position to do this and um, to be able to provide decent content for such a hungry fan base. Yeah, very well said. Hey, Jovan, go ahead. All right. Chris, talk about the young backcourt that I've been reading about on csnorthwest.com that you and Dwight James, Dwight James been talking about the young backcourt development in Portland with Nolan Smith, Damian Lillard, and Will Barton. Yeah, you know, it's going to, you know, I I think Nolan Smith, um, what I've seen out of him in doing summer league, he played the majority of the wing spot. And um, that's what he did mostly at the University of Duke. Um, he's a scorer. He's a scoring guard. I think Nate McMillan last year uh, tried to make him adjust, you know, try to make turn him adjust into a conventional point guard, and that's not what Nolan is. He's not a guy that's uh, used to thinking all the time because, you know, your conventional point guards, they're thinkers, most of them. You know, they're kind of thinking about setting their um, players up. They're always two or three steps ahead of the game uh, in regards to thinking. And Nolan Smith is a guy that just plays off the of instincts and he just attacks and he scores. So you have to give him a little bit of freedom. And he had that freedom in summer league, and he played really good up to, up until, the I believe, the ankle injury he had, and he had that, that serious scary concussion down there and so but besides those two injuries man he just played extremely well now can that type of play in summer league carry over to the NBA regular season I don't know but I do know for a fact that Nolan Smith has to be a, a guy that you let him go in there allow him to go in there and let him play his game and I think his game is real important um, he, he's a guy who has heart He's a competitor, no doubt. He doesn't back down. I'm not sure if he's, his game is ready for the NBA right now. I think he's going to spend a lot of time with the Blazers, um, 
D-League affiliate, Idaho Stampede. I think he needs to get some time to establish himself. He needs to get stronger. Um, I know he's talked about the fact that, you know, he's been he, – because he's a good rebounder. He's always talked about his strength and his size has never stopped him from rebounding before. But I really think that's going to be a problem now in the NBA. But it's all like his game. I like his competitiveness. But I still think he needs to get develop his uh, offensive game a little bit more. He needs to – get his handles a little bit more tighter, and I think that's going to come in the D-League. So um, I think, you know, the, the backcourt is young. Uh, they have a lot, you know, a lot to prove. I, I want to see if Nolan can bring his game and translate that summer league game over to the NBA. And, um, they, and I think, uh, like I said, I think he, the sky's the limit for that kid. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a development process right now. So, uh, you know, we'll just have to wait and see, see how things turn out. This is the East-West Hoops Hoop here on Block Talk Radio. And we have about 10 minutes left in this show, so I'm going to keep on continuing with the with the Portland Trailblazers conversation, talking about the players. Talking, You just mentioned training camp and Will Barton probably getting some time in D-League, which I think is always good for some players to do. Talk about one player on the Blazers training camp roster that could possibly surpri- surprise us this preseason. Oh, man, that's a good question. Um, you know what? I, I'm going to go with Adam Morrison. I think um, really? what I've seen out of – yeah, I, Adam Morrison, man, he he straight dominated that summer league, man. He was uh, he was just hitting shots and creating his own shot with ease, and it was just be a beauty to watch a pure shooter like that be able to create his own shot because a lot of pure shooters, you know, they don't create their own shots. They let other people set them, you know, set them up. And I know Adam Morris is 28, and so he's probably eight or seven years older than most of the summer league competition, but still, they're still borderline NBA players or NBA-type caliber players. And so I, and I, you look at the roster, Trailblazers roster they have now with Elliot Williams going out with that Achilles injury. Now open up a spot in that wing at that wing position. And I think Adam Morrison was the perfect player for the Blazers to pick up and I think he's gonna make the NBA roster. Um, the the NBA regular season roster for the Blazers and I think he's gonna be a major contributor. When I mean major, I don't mean, you know, fourteen, fifteen points a game. But I think if you count on him for about eight, nine, maybe ten points a game per season. I think the kid is ready. I think he's hungry. I think he's proved that his personal obstacles or his personal negative situations that he had in the past, I think he's shown that that's over with. Um, he has two young young daughters who he's trying to do the right thing by, and so uh, I think he's ready. I think he's ready in life. I think he's ready in his game, and he's in the right Situation. Uh, man, if you can't make the Portland Trailblazers roster right now, uh, you know, uh, it's something wrong because this team right now has a lot of holes, and I think Adam Morrison is in the right spot uh, to bring his NBA career back to life. Chris, uh, speaking of holes, uh, do you agree or disagree? Uh, out in the Western Conference, they're not going to win the conference. Uh, I think it's going to be between Oklahoma City and the Lakers, in my opinion. But I think Minnesota is going to make some noise this year. Agree or disagree? No, I agree. I agree. I think they'll be a middle-of-the-pack uh, playoff team. Uh, and it depends on what type of playing condition Brandon Roy is going to be in and whether he can take them 
over to the next level and to possibly, you know, maybe, you know, compete with the Lakers in Oklahoma, you know, give them a run for their money in the playoffs. Yeah, no doubt there's the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Los Angeles Lakers. Those are the cream of the crop. Those teams are the cream of the crop in the Western Conference. But a team like Minnesota is scary because you never know what to expect. Because you know Kevin Love is getting better every year. Ricky Rubio, when he gets healthy, he's going to be that much mature and experienced. And uh, you know they just added some good uh, free agent pieces over the summer. And uh, you know I, I really like their chances. But I think uh, if Brandon Roy, if he can get get to somewhat of that form that he had here in Portland where he, the last two minutes of the game, he can be the closer. Uh, I think it will just take that team that much further. So, you know, Minnesota, I consider them, them probably one of the most scariest teams out there. Chris, I wanted to ask you also, and then I'll turn it over to Jovan to close things out, but uh, – you talked a little bit about, you know, we've talked about head coaching, Coach Stotts, what he's doing and everything. Uh, you spend a tremendous amount of time with the team on the road and everything. How important are the assistant coaches in the NBA? Well, they're very important because um, that's your support system. And I think um, over the years, um, assistant coaches, they have more responsibility than what they used to have before. Um, the coaches there lean they lean on their assistants heavily and sometimes there's a lot of head coaches out there who uh you know, get their information from their assistants and they'll call a place based on what the assistant is saying because a lot of times the head coach is um too involved in the game. You know, they're they're actively involved, they're arguing with the ref, there's all the type of politics going on. The assistant coaches the assistant coaches sitting down quiet, scoping out the scene, seeing what's going on, checking out the landscape. And so from his standpoint, he's able to relate to the coach, hey, maybe we should do this, I'm seeing this, because the coach may be too mostly involved. So, you know, it's great to have a good supporting staff of assistant coaches who, like Terry Stotts, you know, he basically gave assignments. Caleb Canales is the defensive coordinator. Kim Hughes is the big man's coach. David Vanderpool is going to be working with the the point guards and the you know and the wing players, and so it's good to separate. It's kind of getting like the NFL, you know, how you have defensive coordinator, your the offensive line coach, because uh, everybody has a specialty. But if you put every everything together, uh, you know, it, it it just makes for uh, you know it makes for a pretty good combination. So uh, it, it's really important to have, uh, especially if you got some assistant coaches that you trust, and that's going to you know. Put put the best team in the possible best situation to succeed. Very interesting, uh, Jovan. Go ahead. All right, everybody. With three minutes left in the show, I wanted to end up end out the show talking more broader landscape of the NBA. What what do you think about Dwight Howard? What do you think about the Dwight Howard blockbuster trade that happened this summer that involved the Lakers? My Sixers, the Nuggets, all those teams involved. What did you think about that? Man, that was straight ridiculous, man. That was that was that was, um, that was like straight robbery right there, man. I, I don't understand that, man. It's like I, I don't know, man. It, 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 it's, it's you know, as a basketball fan, you know, I, I like to see a, a, a stacked team like that a, a, a little bit. You know, I like to see how they're going to jail. I don't like it for for from the league standpoint having stacked teams, but just just as a fan, just see how all that personnel is going to jail with Dwight Howard, Steve Nash, Paul Gasol, and you know Kobe Bryant. But man, that's just playing robbery, man. I'm like, God, how how is the rest of the league 
supposed to survive? How are they going to, you know, make do? Can put do a team like the Portland Trailblazers, Sacramento Kings? They really have a chance to compete for a championship year year in and year out with the Miami Heat and the Los Angeles Lakers of the world are just stacking up year after year. And I'm just like, and the NBA is just letting this go on and allowing it and helping facilitate in some instances. And so uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, you know, but, you know, I, I've seen stack teams come together before and it failed. Uh, the most recent one I can remember was the Los Angeles Lakers when they had Kobe Bryant, Carl Malone, Shaquille O'Neal, and Gary Payton. And uh, I know Peyton and uh, uh, and uh, who's that other player they had? And Carl Malone, I know they were on their last leg at the time, but still, they they were still pretty good players at the time. So, you know, I'm just intrigued as a basketball fan to see how things are going to work out. See if they're going to see if they can gel together. See if they can put their egos to the side. And especially, I want to see if Kobe Bryant would allow Steve Nash to play his game because Steve Nash is a true point guard who needs the ball in his hands. Kobe's never played with a true point guard like that. He's always demanded the rock. So I want to see if Kobe is going to let Steve Nash be Kobe and if Kobe can change his game, play off the play off the ball, something he's not accustomed to doing, but see if he can adjust. And so I, I want to see how all these storylines are going to play out. And I'll be watching, and if it um, – and you know if if everything fails for the Lakers, uh, you know I, I may I may be happy, but you know we'll see. But you know it's crazy. There's a blockbuster trade like Dwight Howard, I think it's good for the NBA. But you know we'll see if we'll see how 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 it plays out at, in the end. Right, we definitely will be as the Sixers get something out of the deal as well with Andrew Bynum. The Magic get gutted, and the Nuggets actually pick up a fran- pick up not a franchise, but a player that can help them in the long run. So this has been another edition of the East West Hoop Soup. Again, I would like to thank Chris B. Haynes for coming on tonight. He's always welcomed on the East West Hoop Soup. He probably will be on during basketball season as well because this is going to be a one crazy NBA season. With me, this is Joe Van Offer, and always with my co-host, Greg Crawford. Everybody stay tuned next week for another edition of the East West Hoop Soup. And thanks for everybody for listening. Good night and be safe.